Yeah, here. We're fine. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Get in the Garage. I'm your host, Mike. Here with me, as always... I'm Luke, yo. ...is Luke, and today we have a very special guest, a very good friend of ours, Mr. Roy Hool. Welcome to the show, Roy. Hello, everybody. Um, today, we are going to cover Mr. Bob Marley. Um, this year marks uh, what would have been his 75th birthday, um, and, you know, we just uh, we just love Bob Marley, you know? I mean, I love Bob Marley. Yeah, I think like... Uh, Everybody loves Bob Marley. How can you not? Yeah, I mean, like, uh, you know, me and Mike were like talking before this. Everybody knows that like uh, Legend is probably like one of his most famous, like, you know, it's a CD album that came out and that's, you know, what our parents had. And um, it was definitely one of the only black artists my parents had. So yeah. that was like interesting too. And uh, uh the other aspect of that is the music is so different from everything else in the CD collection, um, and I think that's true for a lot of people in America. Yeah. Um, and Bob Marley's such a figure that it's you know very fascinating to uh, kind of look at it in those terms. Yeah. And uh, that's why you know I'm excited to talk about it today. Yeah. So, uh, Roy, uh, what was your first experience with Bob Marley? Because Luke and I, it's heavy on you know like the uh, the greatest hits uh, legend albums. So. Album wise, it's uh, we had Burning. The Whalers album with with not a Bob Marley in the Whalers album. The one album where it was actually the Whalers. And yeah, so like the Whalen Whalers, right? Yeah, yeah. So it's and I probably heard that the first time, nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety four, mm-hmm. and immediately turned on to it. Immediately into reggae music, specifically that era of reggae music and yep. the roots rock and reggae. They had it. Yeah. You know, and they even now, when you listen back, probably are the best reggae band that ever walked the earth. Session musicians yeah. that were involved, they're they can keep trying to. They 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 had it right then and there. Yeah. Oh man! Yeah. So you might also be hearing some dog barks and uh, furnishings. <laughs> we're in the basement over here, so you know, yeah. bear with us, everybody. But yeah, yeah. it's real. It's yeah, it's real. real. No, it's definitely real. And uh, uh, yeah, like Roy was saying, Bob. Bob's band was like was reggae it was a standard at almost like every uh, point of its conception, right? Like it was yeah. almost the high water mark all the way around from ska to rocksteady to to re- to the transition to reggae by the late sixties. Yeah, and like it seems like um his band or whatever he was doing with a producer, even when he was very young, like his stuff was on the uh, like Bob Marley stuff was on the cutting edge with the Whalers. They were always the best reggae band or the best ska band kind of yeah. thing. I mean, I I think he was probably of 20th century performers, probably the widest known. I mean, Elvis might be the only other person that I can really even think of worldwide recognition that he got. And I would say Bob Marley's uh, legacy is much stronger than uh, any other artist from even look at it now, look at all of his children making music and producing yeah, really. music and the oh the tough gong right the That's record the, the, the record, record company label. the record company you know and not only in music but in you know they they fed people literally for 
years and years they fed a city of people in yeah. Jamaica. Hope Road was, you know, as much of a kitchen as it was a recording yeah. studio and, you know, he was the real thing. That you know, there's a lot of people that were in music for a lot of different reasons. His was that was his rifle. Yeah. He looked at it that way and Yeah. It was real. He was really an individual person that, you know, pers- I, personified I, it. I think it's it's fascinating too to like you know just look at his um like you know baseline like musical influence like reggae influenced the entire world and i think like every almost every popular music like took from it afterwards and he was like the guy at the forefront of it and and I, i just think that's like one of the most amazing things is like he takes one small island right who has a specific kind of music and he literally gives it to the entire world. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? He's the, I mean, there's other people there. Like, we all know, you know, like, the harder they come is, like, a big, you know, Jimmy Cliff, that kind of thing. But, right. you know, at the core, Bob was the guy bringing reggae to the people. And, yeah. as Roy said, he was true to heart because he was, you know, he was singing, you know, about what he, you know, he was doing what he was singing about. He was living, right. living that life. And uh, Walk them like they talk them. Yeah, even with, like... Yeah. You know, like we'll start kind of getting into it here. Like early whalers, like Simmer Down, the first hit is like politically conscious, and Marley had a, yep. a hand in writing it. And it's like, like a song like that, like to just kind of come out and say what it is, is just like so. I don't know, just the message song. It's like, yeah, it's almost like you know, it's 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 like some of the great like things about folk music you know has like a like a message in it like a empowering kind of thing going on yeah and uh you know that's what's it's like the, it's the people's music yeah that and like ska it, you know would have been you know the jamaican people's music and yeah. that's what you know it gets and you have the message of like telling people to like you know calm down so we can have peace you know right and i think that's like that early message on the first big hit is like it's like it's like a, it's a great mission statement. Yeah, and I I think it's it's musically significant in the way that it's like it's the rhythm. The reggae rhythm is what makes that that music so unique and it just comes out of basically you have ska which is in double time and the accents are on the end so where does where does ska come from though like because like me and you were kind of like looking up the history of it a lot of like r&b uh guys like fats domino and stuff but they were pulling from everywhere man because there was still like that that sort of african kind of influenced beat that was coming from like ethiopia and zimbabwe right well caribbean music too right 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 yeah harry belafonte was prominent in that time you know you have a lot of caribbean music in more let's call it the jazz world that's prominent Mm. but reggae bob marley brought the beat of the rastaman up in the mountains into he adopted that culture adopted that spiritual path and brought that music which was looked down upon even in jamaican culture you right, know, ska yeah. and even Rocksteady, the dance hall movement was already happening. And they adopted that in, you know, their first studio albums with Island Records and really right. made that music acceptable, not just in Jamaica, but worldwide. They took a music that wasn't acceptable in the place that the music came from and yeah. brought it to world prominence in a matter of 
five yeah. years. And the fact that he was able to intertwine not only politically conscious music, but I also think uh, interweaving uh, his spirituality into the music as well had a profound effect on people, you know? Yeah, it, I and I think that's why it connects almost instantly with everybody that hears it. So right. uh, the interesting thing, though, is like the structure of like maybe what, what those kind of bands were doing at the time. Like they were clearly getting New Orleans radio stations – of uh, deep south radio mm-hmm. it was coming in because back in those days uh radio stations were much easier to pick up um like radio stations would go for thousands and thousands and thousands of miles right, um right. way bigger than what we know and think about now so like uh there you know there's there's tele people in new york city hearing texas radio stations like stuff like mm-hmm. that it was that powerful yeah um so they were getting american radio right and a lot of like um, the early, let's take like the first, um, w- you know, Whalers compilation album, whatever, called The Whaling Whalers. Yeah. Um, you know, there's What's New Pussycats on there. Um, the, you know, One Love, People Get Ready. There's the Curtis Mayfield R&B feel already mixing in with that. So you kind of have that conscious Curtis Mayfield thing coming in yeah. where I think like it has like a um, – R&B flavor, obviously, it's clearly, you know, the scats, the ups, the, the I mean, like, you know, on the offbeats, whatever, on the upbeats. Yep. Um, it's got, the, you know, that kind of yin and yang to it. But the, the I think, like, the political, almost that kind of nature is coming through almost with the Curtis Mayfield, uh, like, civil rights, uh, R&B, maybe early yeah. rumblings, influence folk music that might have been coming over from American radio. And then whatever else they were getting from other radio stations, because I mean, like you could, like Roy was saying, you have, you know, Cuban music, like Latin music is all, right. that's kind of the whole other thing in there. And when it combines with, I think like a, a good, a good beat, right? The solid, like electric beat. Yeah. That's kind of where it takes off and the lyrics being politically charged, you know, or you know, very religiously charged, kind of connect his connects with people uh, yeah. the way like southern uh, church music also would. So maybe like that kind of thing, yeah. you know, especially in like the harmonies and the way they're kind of singing and that nature and like the early Wailing Whalers album. I also think it's interesting they do like you know, I mean, I love like what's new, Pussycat like is on is on that record. Uh, Simmer Down's on there. Um, there's so many good early Scott songs on there, and it really gives you a feel of what that genre of music is, especially with the R and B influenced cover songs that they would like almost rearrange backwards and make their own completely. Yeah, yeah, no, I think so. They, I know that was a mouthful, but you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> a loop no. tangent. No, they they definitely had their own thing. I'm right off the bat, you. I mean, I think it's you got to take a step back and look at Bob Marley of who he was because he was kind of a combination of things because he was, you know, he he was raised in the country and then moved into the city. So he had he really had his hands in the dirt and knew the knew the culture of the country people more than the people that when he started making music, he was working with. So he was rooted in the in in the culture of the average Jamaican not even necessarily the inner city person he became yeah. that as a you know younger younger man and teenager and then he moved to Delaware 
So let's <laughs> let's let's yeah, think about no, that, and then yeah. go work in Delaware at a Chrysler plant on yeah. a forklift and about, everything. Here, about what age did he do that? At? Uh, it was right after. 20s. Yeah, because it was right after he married uh, Rita. Rita, yeah. So he marries Rita, and then he just goes to the states because he's like, well, okay. So know, this is because he wanted this to is bring before, the whole. He wanted is, to bring the whole band, but they, they okay. Were, so they were already a formed band at this point. Yeah, you have the. This is the early Whalers or. I, in you're talking in the early years before yeah. they have done any of their major label stuff. Okay. Yeah, because I think the first official Whalers like Wax was I think I saw was 1965. Oh well, if we're talking, oh, well, if, yeah, okay. If I we're talking like Whalers originally, okay. it's gonna, we're going to go simmer down. Released yeah. 1965 of early ska singles recorded up to 1963 and up yeah. to 65. And that stuff is Lee Scratch Perry recorded, and the that that, is, early, that is that later. That's that's a bit later. We have uh, the ska real ska Whalers. The album Whaling Whalers is the collection of that. That's all done at. Um, uh, about like it's not a Studio One album, but it is kind of considered one. Um, Studio One being one of the famous studios in Jamaica, mm-hmm. one of the uh, you know famous labels as well. It's kind of like that, yeah. Um, but it's it's was recorded much more on the fly, but um, with that kind same kind of people. So that would be like their hard ska. The next release where they went to go do their first album. And which is probably why there's a gap between them so so much because you have 1965 Wailing Whalers and then kind of out of nowhere, like um, 69, 70, 70, they start working with first Leslie Kong, which doesn't get released till later. Um, But then 1970, Lee uh, Scratch Perry works with the band and they record uh, Soul Rebels that album yes. together so in the in the mix the difference between those those albums you know 65 whaling whalers to 1970 is is vast because the the soul rebels album is very uh densely recorded uh it's very like haunting sparse instruments when i say dense i mean like very like uh dialed in on yeah. the instrumentation and it's very sparse um i didn't realize i knew most of the songs on it i have like a compilation of early bob and it was just very like uh almost like probably unofficial or whatever, almost like a bootleg type thing. And I didn't realize I knew most of the songs on it. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I know those. And uh, yeah. it was interesting. So, um, but yeah, the difference between those is is like, whoom, night and day. So like in between there, like Roy was saying, he went to like Delaware. I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. They, they recorded a lot of music too that um, that it, they never got credit for because you know, Lee Scratch Perry sold that whole album without he sold it because he looked at it that he had the rights to the album so that's why the album was never really truly released and there was a big disagreement and they never really got paid for it till years later right and did you see the cover of it as well it has the uh the woman on it that's like almost topless right and they i i had heard i you know i read that they didn't like that either yeah. because it kind of went against what they were kind of pushing uh lyrically and like uh religiously and uh, conceptually yeah so i but like yeah so like he kind of took that and 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 you went with it and yeah and at this point too he is like so he he lives in the country for a little while right and then he goes to live i think with his his aunt in kingston and that's when he kind of meets that's where he ends up meeting Bunny Whaler and then Peter Tosh, right? Uh, but at this point where he, I think, I believe he was like raised Christian, I think Catholic, I want to say. Uh, but when he goes to Kingston is where he kind of is made aware of like the Rastafarian movement. Okay. That's yes. happening, right? 
which would end up being a major influence on the, I think, just like the lyrical content that you get from reggae. You know what I mean? The uh, This sort of like yearning for God kind of feeling. Definitely. You know what I mean? Like this kind of like, you know what I mean? Uh, sort of like righteous kind of right. vibe, you know? Um, and so for people who don't know, right, Rastafarianism is basically like that uh, Haile Selassie who was crowned like the emperor of Ethiopia. Um, the Rastas saw him as like the king of kings. He was going to come and because Rastafarianism is very into uh, the ideal of uh, Pan-Africanism, which is basically the unity of Africa, right? Um, and Haile Selassie was going to be that guy that does that. And then they believe that he was like he was a descendant from the line of King David. That's from the Bible. You, you can look that up. <laughs> that whole lineage thing. But um, but yeah. So but the 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 religion itself very strict. Very much like you know you eat a certain way. You know you read your Bible. Like it's you know the, I think that the thing that that sucks is that for a long time that the Rastas were looked at like just like these like pot-smoking mountain guys. <laughs> you know what I mean? But realistically, they were really pursuing like some serious spiritual pursuits, man. Like border, borderline like, um, you know, like very, uh, very monastic to a certain degree. Yeah, you know mystical. what I mean? Like who, yeah, and mystical, yeah, absolutely. You know, and it's a shame that, that, that the fact that they <clears throat> smoke would just become like the defining sort of it's like what stereotype was, you know it's what, what I mean? was put out by other people too that was also part of there were marketing people in 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 this in this early 70s right, that right. marketed him if you look at the album of catch a fire that's the first time he's really marketed right with, with marijuana him, him smoking and that's what yeah. in one way attracts a lot of the counterculture in America to the music but his music was just so powerful that i think if you really look at what he was saying, it really had one didn't really have a whole lot to do with the other. He was definitely yeah. into his religion and definitely understood what it meant to him and his yeah. music spoke to him mm -hmm. and it spoke to the whole world and still does. Oh, you know? I kind of like that, man, because like I, I at some point, right, like we're talking like that might have turned some people off. But like me and Mike were saying earlier, like like my straight lace parents had legend right and everybody knows kind of right bob marley marketed with weed it's very yeah it's been done not, yeah. yeah it's everybody knows right but at the same time it's almost like a like by any means necessary right because like even if you're a straight lace person right you like listen to it and you're even if you think it's bad you'll listen to it and you're like well this man's just talking about god all the time you yeah, know and take, love and love yeah. take two steps back too because the, another thing to understand about the whalers specifically tosh bunny whaler and you know they were rude boys and they used to yeah. there were people that used to go to radio stations and be waiting for the guy to walk out and say you're gonna play this record tomorrow <laughs> or <laughs> yeah. i'm gonna be back here and that's how yeah. they got their music played so when you say by any means necessery another I, I i i halfway got there a few minutes ago bob marley's number one thing was as a band leader and everything that he did he was the hardest working one in his mind of everybody first one at the studio 
always working. Right. You know, he, you know, unfortunately had, you know, lots of relationships that maybe didn't work out the way they did because his music was in front of everything. Right. It was his and his mind God-given mission to bring this music yeah. to the world. Not yeah. He didn't want, he wanted to bring his, his island to the world and was absolutely successful at it yeah 100 percent. one yeah it yeah everywhere in the world everybody knows him not like i really feel like name another performer uh, even single performer single I mean, performer maybe... single performer i mean he was in a band and the band did cover i'm sure we're gonna go there but the band the band definitely covered a lot of ground but when you think of his personal influence like yeah think of all the big guys i mean i don't know if there's another one i mean maybe it's i would say elvis beatles yeah and that's pretty much that's but pick a beetle that's pick a beetle that's that worldwide i mean you would i think of george as the worldly one he was his music even though it was worldly and brought the indian influence in and everything they they brought their music to rock and roll culture but this music came from such a different place, yeah, and was from, you know, it was really made in poverty. This yeah. Music, yeah, none yeah. of the, the, the all of those early. There's a whole lot of bands that started out with early recordings, but in the '70s, a lot of the music is made by big record companies. You yeah. know, Island Records was a small record company that. Yeah, these albums still sell hugely, selling albums and. Probably, I I still can't say it enough. He's probably the most influential performer, if you want to break it down, of the entire century because he made his music will carry on. He's oh, forever! There. It's he's, his, yeah, it's eternal. His Bach. music is eternal. Yeah. He's Bach, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, no, I I completely completely agree. He's and a Robert Johnson. He's, right. He's somebody like that you can root it all back to. And yeah, yeah. In a hundred and fifty years, people will know who that face was. They might just that um, like message of like love in in music like is i mean like i mean obviously the beatles had kind of been there a little bit but the the way bob marley like convicted like love with like helping your fellow man and like and then he would give you like and here's how we're gonna do it right definitely and that and that message of like i love you i know it's bad here's how we're gonna fix it together yeah that unity um through music message never hit harder i don't think and has inspired uh, like every band since with that oh, yeah. to bring that kind of message. I mean, I don't like enjoy like this band I'm going to mention, but like maybe like U2 is kind of like kind of trying to bring that message to some extent right, right now. Right. And uh, yeah, the Clash. Yeah, the Clash. Think like, of yeah, think of, exactly. Think of like, there the, is, oh, that's a way better example. Yeah, the only yeah, band with, that matters, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he exactly. definitely, he definitely, and the music that they brought to London, which is no, another door we definitely need to go into with this whole talk, um, what it is hugely influential to that. And here's the other thing I, I would like to say. He was absolutely unafraid to challenge the government in his music. He directly oh, yeah. challenged the opposing political views that threatened his countrymen. He had no problem making it a statement yeah. and his message forced them to yeah. solve some political strife but i mean they tear gassed people at his funeral <laughs> yeah. i mean no for he yeah. was, there there were so many people showed up yeah. they dispersed the crowds with tear gas i mean what he was talking about his whole life 
in a lot of ways, he was talking about things that are still going on in a lot of ways. Yeah. If, you know, it's just amplified and more, you know, shown up in modern culture because it's all over, you know, expanded media. He did it through music with, you know, a group of a group of musicians he put together and yeah. brought his music worldwide and people are still playing that music now. And I mean, as a musician, I think a lot of people, when you hear reggae music, would think that it's simple. And it is absolutely not. And specifically the yeah. session, to com- to even try to compare to what those session bands did at that time and the music they made and that he kind of captained, you yeah. know, because he, he, he was not necessarily the producer or the engineer, but he was involved in all of the production and all of the engineering. Yeah. He had a sound that he wanted to get out there. And yeah. And I think so timeline wise, right around 1972, uh, that's where they sign onto Island records. Right. So I want to also talk to too, like, uh, like Peter Tosh, like in that kind of aspect too, of like the Rastafarian movement within that, like, uh, was maybe some like he he seems to me to be like like uh the more militant one yeah. and like Bunny Whaler maybe like the more you know like, like uh, laid back laid back one and I think like Bob just took both those ideas and just just like made them so much more like a ready package yeah and just ran with them and like yeah. I feel like that's why he's the main guy that we're talking about because well, I think Peter Tosh was very much just like go against the system and Bob Marley was very much like let's make the system better right so in you know even I mean? to, let's heal the system even too to like what Roy was saying like if we're moving up in the timeline here like Roy was saying like uh he didn't care like how how he had to get it done like so they kind of burnt through like the studio one guys right and they were like if you're not gonna push away I mean if you're not gonna like uh like push me forward then we have to keep on going so he like would move on from the studio one guys right and then we have lee scratch right and he kind of does him dirty so he's like uh-uh, i need better people so let's get out of here i gotta move yeah. so we, we get to the point where they're gonna sign to island so like what happens there like what's going on he meet, in well, his he, life because it's he needs the band needs to progress and so what happens that we're gonna get the historic album catch a fire out well, I think that Catch a Fire ends up becoming kind of like the album that like breaks them through is because Chris Blackwell takes it and he's like, okay, I'm going to give you $4,000. Go record this album. Who's who's Chris Blackwell? Chris Blackwell is um, – he works for Island Records. I, th- I, be- I believe he's the – He pro- produced that album. Yeah, he's yes. the producer, yeah. Um, so he's just like, yeah, man, you know, and – um, when they brought it's Carlton Barrett and Aston Barrett, the rhythm section they bring in at that point really, and th- that rhythm section stayed with the band for pretty much until after Bob Marley's passing, and they really, yeah. cha- they really, that was the tightest band, yeah, that that, that of uh, that was the tightest outfit, and it kind of stayed, you know, they changed guitar players here and there, but they built a real core of the rhythm yeah. section in making that album. Yeah. They used session musicians. I mean, the, I, I I honestly couldn't quote who it is, but the the guitar solo on Concrete Jungle. Yeah, that's one of the producers. It even could be the guy you're talking about. Oh, but, maybe. But yeah. but there's definitely you yeah. know they used session musicians to make that album sound incredible. And then within the next two three years from that, it, being able to tour off of it and being able to get your band yeah 
that band became just an incredible, incredible. And when you listen to the power that they have oh, in the God. mid '70s in a live show, I mean, I would have loved to see them. Obviously, it's those breaks when you hear them, they're like bound to get the down, to get the down, to get the down. When they do those like stops and stuff, and you see the whole band just like totally like syncing up, and it's just oh man, they they're they're so effective, man. They're such they're top notch. Right. Top notch musicians, man. So when they get to Island, though, so like they're on, right? They get recorded uh, by Island Records. Are they in London, right? So, so I th- no, did they I, tour uh, London first or did uh, Island seek them out in Jamaica? Um, no. So the way that I see it is, is that, okay, so he signed with CBS Records in London and then went on a UK tour. But while he was in London, uh, I think, yeah, he they that's where they met Chris Blackwell. And okay. then that's where he's like, all right, come to do Island Records. Come for Island Records. So this is ha- this arrangement's happening in the UK. So he gives him four grand. He's like, go back home, record, record this the album. album, and then give it to us. And then like, I'll, I'll come down there in however many weeks or whatever right. and just check in. Oh, very So cool. boom, they may catch a fire. So the thing that Chris Blackwell does that I think really aids in their success is he knows how to market them. He's like, listen, I work with rock music. Rock music is rebellious, you know. Uh, you know, you have songs like "Get Up, Stand Up." Like these are rebellious types of songs. You know what I'm saying? Right. So he markets them that way. He markets them like a rock band, and he gives them like this. The original release was like the cool sleeve where it was like a Zippo lighter, and you'd open it up, yes. and then the, you'd pull the record out. So that's where he was like, okay, and he. That's how he caught people's eyes was the marketing right. standpoint. And then and right after, when, boom, it like just Roy, took off. Roy was saying too, that striking cover of him <laughs> with that giant spliff on the cover, right? Like, the altered, yeah, the other cover, yeah, the the. the the um the copy I have the the record I have has that cover. I don't yeah, have me the too. Because that was uh there's you know which makes I mean we're vinyl collectors here. The rare uh, Zippo lighter cover is um with I think there was only a couple like hundred like maybe like a couple maybe twenty thousand thirty thousand released something like that of that cover and then the rest of them are Bob with the spliff. Yeah. Uh, so that does make them quite rare if you have an original copy, which is pretty cool. Yeah. So that that really that UK tour, right? So they're in the UK, they're touring, and that's having like an effect instantly on on rock music and music in London, right? Right. Yeah, and the, the punk rock movement immediately adopted reggae as kind of you know reggae became the music that people in the shops listened to in trend trendy stores where people went and bought their clothes and stuff right they would be reggae music would be the music in the background and it became you know the whole backdrop for everything you, you know think of think of you know a few years later clapton does i shot the sheriff and then right really then right. It re- i mean that's another incident where yeah so let's he really did bring yeah let's talk uh, about that, that to the, the forefront not didn't even think of bringing that up today, oh yeah no that's a big thing I, that's what something <laughs> i was talk talking to mr to, clapton <laughs> well yeah when you, me and mike are talking about clapton that was something i was i said to mike i was like a Bob Marley in America has almost uh, like a ton to do with Eric Clapton covering, you know, uh, what 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 was it first? It was I Shot the Sheriff first, Yeah, right? I Shot the Sheriff was Right, it, yeah. so he did that song, and, and I think it won, you know, and me and Mike were also talking about a couple others in there, uh, um, Bob Marley, uh, not Bob Marley, duh, we're talking about Bob, uh, Paul Simon's Mother and Child Reunion. Oh, big time. Right, so like you kind of have these these statements of yeah. like uh, American artists were already trying to like getting hip to like the ska reggae thing, and they were already, so, like uh, Paul Simon went down to Jamaica to record that track. <laughs> So, 
that's that's the kind of like thing you already had laying the ground and then when like such a guitar player in the rock scene i think like like clapton covers that song so legitimately and almost pretty faithfully to the original right yeah that's where you get like bob getting so validated well legitimized his songwriting immensely too on a worldwide stage because i mean to have eric clapton popular make make not only cover it but make a huge hit that was oh, a yeah. st- when you think Revitalized about it revitalized clapton but like no, big for, time yeah not for nothing man anytime i listen to classic rock radio it's almost always the eric clapton version unfortunately unfortunately because <laughs> i because i want it to be the the bob, bob one version, it's so much better but um but yeah you can't deny that right so so we have catch a fire and then we have burning and then they have all this success and then um they schedule to open 17 shows for sly and the family stone right but after on. four shows they get fired Oh, why? Because they were becoming more popular. <gasps> oh, Sly was people were like, it. yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's the official story. Uh, the the information that I found in regards to it was a bit sparse. However, I mean, yeah, because because I mean, you have that though, right? I mean, you, when your opener starts blowing the main act off stage, it, it, it happens. It upsets the uh, yeah, you know, it upsets the balance and stuff. So, but then they they disbanded 1974, like. So, so what's whole, up with the original w- Whalers so the whole disbanding? Thing is, is that Peter Tosh doesn't want to go on tour. He right. just straight up doesn't want to go on tour. Uh, Bunny Whaler, he just he doesn't want to leave Jamaica. So Chris Blackwell is basically to Bob. He's like, hey man, like you could like throw a couple other musicians together and like keep the Whalers going and just like we'll keep you know we'll keep making records. So that's what he ends up doing. So then we have like the lineup change, right? So seventy four to. Um, to 76 before they leave to go to England. And then you have, you're adding people like uh, Junior Marvin and Al Anderson, which I love Al Anderson too because he kind of brings in like a kind of like a bluesy kind of vibe to the to the stuff. You know what I mean? Like when you hear his guitar playing versus Peter Tosh's guitar playing, he's giving you some like some nice, you know, like tasty, like little blues licks, you know, and I love that. Like is, um, is this love, right? Is this love? Is this love that I'm feeling? The, right. Like that. The maybe more a little, a little bit like those right. little like those are just like these great fucking but like beautiful little melodies man right that you're getting and they're just like you know i don't know i just i love it and then but i mean what bob marley was able to do was like make like make his music pop music without being it actually being pop music you know what I mean? Because I, when I, I don't know, I don't listen to when I listen to Bob. See, I, don't I think, think I like, think the other way around. I think his music was so so accessible and the message was so accessible. Absolutely. That's why it became pop. Right. Music. That's that's what I'm trying to. Yeah. yeah it no, it, it, it was worldly. His yeah. Stor- his storytelling was worldly, and his the story that was he was talking about what happened in his neighborhood and happened everywhere right it's right, the same right. story and so right you know i think that he just his music touches people it makes you think it's music that you actually do stop stop and think about what he's saying as much as you're listening to the music it all has a message there's not a song yeah. he doesn't have any i'm gonna get through this song to make an extra track on this album yeah. even Right. They all every there's definitely an idea behind it, and it's like even the, like even the party songs are like God like thanking God so you can party like right, <laughs> right. like go back to simmer down right simmer down was because they had all 
the you, we take another step back the the sound system which is a mobile dj truck is the way that early ska music the real early reggae and rock steady and dance hall music was brought to the people because the stuff that wasn't on the radio mm-hmm. they would set up a truck in a parking lot and parties so these early sound system parties and they would get violent because you'd have gangs right. in the yeah, neighborhood yeah, right. all there to party and represent so simmer down is exactly that it's a party song about yo let's all not fuck each other up this weekend and <laughs> yeah, fucking yeah. have a good time which yeah. boy holy crap that sounds pretty relevant right now everybody right let's right. all yeah. simmer down yeah you know because it's the same story like yeah we all just, just get heated let's all get together let some people play some music have a good time let some people dance that's what he was saying then it's completely applicable this yeah. friday night <laughs> well and that's the thing is like with what what you see is going back to maybe the influences of you know, from Curtis Mayfield and, and you know, and uh, Fats Domino and, and like the R&B of like the American South. Right. Likewise, Jamaica was j- just just in the same way that um, they were kind of like holding the torch in, during the civil rights movement in the South. Likewise, Jamaica was basically, you know, I mean, they were a country that was a product of like imperialist uh, English colonial style, like right, and rule, it was coming you know out of what that. I mean, yeah, and they were coming out of that too. And I think Jamaica gained its independence in 1963. I want to say is when something so, like so that. that's it's right around when like Simmer Down would have been recorded, even so, like right, that, that right. new fresh, fresh kind of yeah, you know, feeling. You know, yeah, this the, the, this whole music, his whole music life is created in political strife created in in literally seeing that so i mean i think that his his music reflects the environment that he was seeing and then you know going to america and then touring the world and meeting becoming a worldly musician he really realized that i think he really realized before he went everywhere because he was just a caring person it didn't matter it wasn't a black or white thing it wasn't uh this or that thing it was a you know, that one love thing was one love. It's everybody. Right. And I think that's why it still rings true. And, yeah. you know. Well, and the, the, the thing is now is that, um, you know, in other words, you can't just come out and start talking about love and expect that no one's going to start paying attention to you. Right. Uh, and I mean that in a sense of maybe like the government. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Those guys. Uh, those guys. So, yeah, you have to um, almost so, have like a hard edge, right? Right. And that, so so that kind of brings us. So in like 1976, Bob Marley is going to do this Smile well, Jamaica concert. Can I also, before we even kind of go there too, I also wanted to like further push like what was happening when Catch a Fire and Burnin' come out is The Harder They Come, also released by uh, Island Records, the soundtrack featuring Jimmy Cliff. This soundtrack was sold heavily also in the United States at the same time. There's a small little kind of reggae craze with with Clapton, Bob, and you know, doing that. The film as well. The film was kind of like the iconic depiction of what is More popular. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, you got that movement too, but what I want to state is why I think Bob pushed through was because he had some more, more powerful message to bring. And that's what it was. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Where yeah. like even Island Records maybe was pushing Jimmy Cliff a little bit, right? Yeah. Bam, Bob is just so driven and powerful that we just come back. You know what I mean? And that's where I think yeah. 
you know, pushing into the statement you're about to bring with the story you're about to bring. This is this is why Bob is different. So like, tell me, right. uh, tell me about it, Jimmy. Much love to Jimmy Cliff too. I just have to say that right now. Yeah, oh absolutely. yeah, yeah, yeah. Love absolutely. Love Jimmy Cliff, but I think that I'll just put it to you. I think the tone of his voice, um, the to- the tone of Bob Marley's voice was so inviting and so mm. yeah, it's very the, sweet. He has a yeah, very sweetness so, to his voice. And once again, I don't think that's something that is very easily attainable. I don't think it will ever be recreated. Yeah. Even I mean, there's a couple of there's a couple of his sons that when you here, Skip can really uh, can really c- catch yeah catch ways will catch yeah yeah but, well especially like Ziggy man Ziggy it's like you're listening it's kind of like you're listening to like a, just a different stage it's like uh, George Harrison's son there it's kind of like spooky with you uh-huh. yeah. yeah you're like what yeah. what yeah but right. he but I so I think that that is honestly my opinion of oh, why yeah. of all of them why he was the most successful Jamaican performer that too yeah of all time it's I think just honestly he was gifted in the voice yeah. that he had and he's genuine like I've I've said it on the podcast before but when Bob Marley tells you don't worry about a thing because every little thing is gonna be all right you believe him <laughs> he meant it too. you know what I mean you're like you're like it's one of those moments where you're just like you know what Bob you're right man yeah fuck man fuck yeah so, I mean, it, bur- it hits you in a different place so, you know. Tell me that story you're about to tell because I know what you're the you're the story right, so, and, and it really proves our point to like his honesty in 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 how we, you know we feel he's really just a kind of a, yeah, a different guy. So the thing about Bob is that like I think where he want where he was trying to come from is like a politically neutral place, but not in the kind of like well it's not my problem in the way of just being like we have to find common ground. Okay. So, like, let me be the bridge here, right? So, in Jamaica, you have kind of, like, the early rumblings of, say, like, a civil war, right? You have the, uh, like, the Democratic, like, Socialist Party uh, that's fronted by uh, Michael Manley. Uh, he was the uh, Prime Minister of Jamaica. So, he represented the kind of, like, socialist idea, right? But we got to think about socialism and communism and, like, past. Because, I mean, like, everybody knows about the Soviet Union. It's, like, it's not like Jamaica doesn't know about the Soviet Union. You know what I mean? And, like, communist ideas, whatever. So, on the other end, you have what is, like, the right, right? Mm-hmm. The right side of it. So, um, even though it was in a weird way from what I had heard, it was marketed as it's kind of like the Labor Party. Yes, okay. they right? are the Jamaican Labor Party. Right, right. So, But what's interesting is that it's kind of like you'd think Labor Party, and I don't know, f- most comparison is drawn to more like a Democratic leaning. If you hear the Labor Party, it's like, okay, for the people, right? Right, so for you'd the think workers, yeah. For the workers. But it wasn't, in fact, it was very much like right wing. Right. Well, it, was, it was the more colonial power at the time. Right, they were right. more the, from the power from the colonial derivative. And let's just take a wild guess on which side the CIA backed up. So, <laughs> right, right. So anyway, so you have Michael Manley, and he's going to put on this concert, right? This what's called the Smile Jamaica concert. Right. right. But what ends up happening is it's like, I I did look it up, and it was something along the lines of like it wasn't. It was never supposed to be advertised in a way where it showed a political leaning. But Michael Manley was just kind of like on the DL, like, hey, you know, just like stick like our logo on there or something like that. It was right. something like that, right? Right. So immediately it made Bob Marley like on someone's side. Okay, you've chosen your side. In right. that way, he's drawn. You know, he's drawn his line in the sand because he's what, so popular. Because he's so popular. Yeah. So then people think that that's what's happening, and then what ends up happening is, is there's an assassination attempt on Bob Marley. He doesn't end up getting like he well he he does get shot. Like I think it was like it the was gunman hand. Yeah, it was like it grazed his chest and then lodged the bullet lodged into his elbow. 
Um, and what does Bob Marley do? But two days later, is just like, no, I'm still doing this show. And they're like, you can't do this show. Like people, like you're gonna, you, someone's gonna shoot you. Someone's gonna try to kill you. And he's just like, no, I'm gonna do it. And then after, at the end of the show, he like opens his shirt up and he exposes like his bandaged wounds to the crowd, and he points to them, just like, yeah, man, like you're, come on, is this the best you can do, kind of thing, you know? Right. And that was a that was a big. Like oh, it was holy, a moment. Holy it was a shit, moment dude, for this guy's like yeah. And the thing is, is like okay, like again, I love George Harrison, but that's not you know. Yeah, he was. You know what I'm saying? Right, and that's, because that's like, where you're just like, oh man, this dude is fucking for real. Right, yeah. because, you know, any beetle like, would have sheltered in place. Yeah. Right, so <laughs> no, right, so like also, I mean, Bob's singing. Like, let's, I love George let's talk just, about like some swimmer. of the stuff that's like not on Legend, right? So like. <laughs> At this time, you have like songs like uh, "Them Belly Full," but they hungry. Like you know, mm-hmm. uh, a hungry mob is an angry mob. Like yeah. you know, and the come on, man. Like for today's times, like you know, yeah, that, war. Yeah, it. I mean, Roy and I were talking earlier on the phone, and we I brought up war and how just like it's the words are are taken from a speech that was given by Haile Selassie, who was like talking about like the well, unity of Africa. First, and, first, first line. Until the philosophy which hold one race superior and another inferior is totally and permanently discredited and abandoned, there is war. I mean, Holly Selassie, I said it. Bob Marley made it Come on. real. I mean, it's if that's not on the plate right now with what everything going on currently, yeah, right. not just in America. It's it. This is it's this a is, worldwide yeah, issue of absolutely. social justice. And and, and let's and let's talk too prejudice. about like how okay we are living in America and we were educated about this situation right in the in the the uh, you know the unfortunate situations that surrounded them because of Bob Marley who was a man from the island of Jamaica. Like, that is some crazy cool stuff that, like, that happened through the transfer. You know what I'm saying? Right, like, right. the education that that man was giving out. Like, you know what I mean? A lot of people, right. you know, uh, will maybe, like, it's, he's just so... He, he brought, he brought Holly Selassie's message. Right. The, you know, the, to, the, the, the bringing the African people back together, and that's some hef- and, that's some hefty stuff for like maybe and, a kid to be taken in at a young age, you know. And to not do it, in a, you know, and they they weren't necessarily militant about it. They were militant about it, but not in a you know malicious way about it. They were you know those the where I think that once again really embodies with what's going on now: peaceful protest and you know speaking through a message, and you know he opened eyes. He opened yeah. eyes oh, yeah. to the plight of his people. Therefore, in the long run, it made his people better. But if you don't have the people that open eyes to the situation and yeah. bring that message, you know, we wouldn't even know about it. We wouldn't be having this conversation right now. And you wouldn't, you know, music, music that happened after that. I mean, there's, we can go back to it again, but there's so much music that he directly influenced. I mean, yeah. yeah, I mean, Luke and I were talking about earlier is like, I mean, you have to say it, right? Sublime, right? You know what I mean? Like, there's an influence there. There's a, you Same know what time. I mean? And Sublime was at one point. Yeah, a lot of people's like first you know? introduction to that kind of music, and then you go straight to Bob Marley. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was like maybe more accessible. And even <laughs> yeah. like to, I know Roy might, I don't know if Roy like was into this kind of music, but like, were you into like the 90s ska wave that came up? Because that well, had I, a lot to do with. Absolutely. But I was, I mean, I saw Burning Spears in 1997. I saw the Whalers in 1999 for the first time. 
Right. I mean, I've been, I've been, I've, I've been backstage at the Whalers. You know, that's been. I, I I love reggae music. We've seen we've seen a bunch of bunch of good stuff. I grew up on the Wesleyan campus. If people don't know that too. We grew up in Middletown, so we saw a lot of good stuff come through. Yeah. We knew that there was a show coming through Wesleyan campus. We'd see go, yeah, sneak in and check it out as teenagers. Yeah, you know, yeah. we all look like college students anyway. So, <laughs> <laughs> Royce fifteen with a full beard, just like hey, what's going on? Uh, patchy beard, still patchy. patchy. Yeah, but yeah, what uh, uh, what a mu- yeah, the musical legacy is just it's beyond. The- it's beyond. Yeah, it's 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 beyond. So after this kind of concert too, like what what is Bob's like next move here, right? Because we have like a highly charged situation, right? We have someone that's so political. Does he kind of maybe drop out, do something cool, or does he kind of hit harder, or what what happens? Yeah, he goes... He goes to London. Yeah. Again, this is when the Exodus album happens. He puts himself into a self-imposed exile. Okay. Yes. From Jamaica. Oh, because of all the tension. Because Because of of the tension and because of how he was directly pulled into it. His family was directly pulled into it. You know, his... You know his home. His they came to his home and you know tried to kill him for having his views. Yeah. So that's when they went. The they went to London and worked in London. Yeah, he so that yeah he goes he leaves Jamaica and then he goes to Nassau for a month and then he goes to Jamaica. Yeah, and that's where I mean. You know, Exodus is like so. Yeah, he takes I mean, he takes exile, right? Yeah. And then I had read because this is the album I'm probably most familiar with that we're going to talk about. You know, today is Exodus. Exodus. Yeah, me too. And great, um, great album. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It's like so. I mean, I, I believe Time well, Magazine called it the album of the century when we went from 1999 into 2000. And I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's if that's not enough for you, I mean, come okay, on. so. I I really love this record, and I had read the you know that he had named the album before he wrote he wrote it really. So like the song Exodus, he was just like it came afterwards. You know what I'm saying? It was a a yeah. product of how he felt exiling himself. It was a concept album in a way. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And definitely yeah. the A side of this record is uh, mystical, spiritual, um, that kind of vibe, right? Yeah. Um, where the second half of that record, the B side, which is, I mean, come on, guys, get that vinyl out, is um, is more like a relationship, love based, that yeah. kind of stuff, right, uh, right. more human to human. I think it's such a powerful album. I mean, Wade in Vain is Wade yeah, in Vain's definitely in Vain. on there. Um, and, which I mean, he's, he's which is his wife is in his wife is in his band, but he has this relationship going on with this. I can't think of her name. Yeah, she, she was like the, she was Mr. Jamaica. Jamaican Jamaican beauty queen that yeah. pretty much he yeah stayed with. That's really? Damian Marley's mom. Oh, really? Didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So I mean, I don't know. Exodus for me is absolutely like. More specifically, like the actual song Exodus. I mean, you can, you can hear. It's like it's like, it's it's almost like when I listen to it, man. I can envision like, like the Jews leaving. You know, like like in other words, like trudging through the desert. Like it feels. That oh, it's way. a march. It has, it has right, a, right. Yeah, it's very much just like the. It's the it's got movement. the driving. It's got yeah. the driving uh, four on the floor behind it. Yeah, yeah, probably the heaviest reggae song. Yeah, Ugh. at that point, it's also like to be noted too that this album is a, almost like a change in substance where um, heavy funk influence comes in. 
hard with the reggae. So like an yeah. Exodus, you like in the key in the piano play. Oh yeah, definitely. Don't don't you know just that how funky it is at the same time as it's reggae. You know what I mean? It's it's got like Roy said that that thumping kind of movement to it. And lyrically, like, I mean, it's straight up telling the book of Exodus in the Bible, you know, like Mike was saying, is the exodus of the Jews being enslaved in Egypt, you know, to their their movement to their own land, you know, and Bob Marley is the if you really take that book, I mean, at kind of surface level, it's uh, the Bible is kind of telling you how to free yourself from enslavement, right? Something we hear Bob talk about, you know what I mean? Yeah. Mental enslavement, you know, uh, physical. Emancipate yourself from mental slavery. Right. (laughs) But us can free our minds. Right. And, you know, that's the book of Exodus. You know, it's the, it's, you know, the, the, the movement of, of the mind. It's a movement of, of not being, um, you know, uh, held down. And dude, and giving you a line, like, are you satisfied with the life you're living, right? Like to 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 have to to be to be sitting there and listening to this song and hearing Bob Marley kind of calling you out, right? Are you satisfied with the way you're living? You right. know what I mean? And you kind of think about that, and you're like, man. But it's asking you, are you satisfied with the way you're living? Maybe not necessarily in terms of just like, oh, my, like my career or something. Say, right? He means it in a way of like internally, like, are you satisfied with yeah, the way? And like, it are you happy hits with you like that? Are you satisfied with the type of person that you, you are? are? Right. And let's talk too. Right. How like I said, the first t- side was spiritually based. Uh, it opens up with natural mystic, right? So like natural mystic is like so you know what I mean? It's it's such a nice. I love but that it, it, song because it's but slow I'm, and slow. This is what know? I'm saying. It this album lures you in at first, right? It's kind of natural mystic is like yeah, man, like you can be a natural mystic too, right? Yeah. And you kind of get into it like that, and then even like you know grief, like so much things uh, to say right now, right? Yeah. Is like and that's almost like you know more soul influence, and I love it. It's very but it's overtly reggae. And it lures you in until you get to the apex of, of the A side, which is which is Exodus, right? Yeah. And that's when he hits you hard. So like so nuanced of a record too, right? It like slides you in Exodus, like hits you. It's so funky and hard. Yeah. And by the end of it, you're like, yeah, man, look. Yeah, it goes, it goes yeah. to jamming, which is completely different feel, completely non-political yeah. feel, completely, right. you know. Yeah. Ha- ha- very, it's, it is, man. It's like a. Per- yeah. I mean, we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Right. I, in my opinion, and man, this is a perfect album. Oh yeah, like, and front like, to back, Three Little Birds. For you know, all our uh, legends, <clears throat> legend CD holders out there, it has <laughs> Exodus is the most songs. Fe- uh, you know, from Exodus, Exodus oh, has, has the, the most, most songs on songs. on Legend. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So it's like it, if you are like kind of looking to get into the Bob Marley catalog and move out a little bit to a different territory. You will love everything on the album Exodus because you know half of it already, and it is like right. so ingrained in you, you yeah. know. So you know, I definitely say check it out. Like, and Roy said, the B side starts with jamming, which is a whole different feel. It'll give you like the kind of the more party vibe. Uh, was is a uh, uh, one love people get ready is what ends it right, and then you have uh, three little birds is on there as well, right? And it's just, I mean, the feel goodness of side B is just so. Yeah, oh, turn your lights down low too. Oh, Such yeah. a like a beautiful romantic song, you know what I mean? Beautiful. Absolutely. And what's cool too, what another thing that I really liked about him was that he okay, yes, like the reggae rhythm which is like accenting on the 2 and the 4 of the beat, right? So right. if you have 1 2 3 4, it's 2 you know, you get that. 
Um, but he he wasn't afraid to kind of play like a song that was more forward. He it wasn't especially here. We see kind of a little bit more, like you said, right? You see funk move in. There's a little the the feel like the he still gives you that reggae feel and flavor, right? But it's very realized, and it's you seeing him taking it kind of like to well, a this, different. This is what I also wanted to say too. Like uh, you know, on this podcast, we've been talking a lot about like uh, bands that progressed. Bob progressed reggae. Where, yeah, where I was ska, rock, steady, reggae. Bob was on the forefront, you know, of all of that with with the movements. Right. So at this point, why wouldn't he be? You know what I mean? He was he was already pushing it out. So like he was just pushing it out further and making it you know change and evolve and yeah. And I you know that's why I feel too like every it's so this one is like so accessible because it has a lot of those great feels of a lot of other records at the time, but it's uniquely its own. And it's such a statement. Like, I mean, if you're into Curtis Mayfield, you'll definitely love Exodus. Like if you're, you know, into like heavier funk, you'll like Exodus. Like, I mean, obviously it's such a great album. Like you said, time magazine, you know, I I would maybe agree with that. It's so good. I love yeah, it. Like, it's just it's 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 the only thing of its kind. You know what I mean? It's one of those types of albums. I think. Like it's Roy, is only, that is that maybe your most played? Uh, no, it's it, it, it's there. It's his Abbey Road. Okay, I would, what would say, you, but oh, um, the Kaya album. Okay, I absolutely loved. Which um, is what the follow up, right? Yeah, yeah that that album, and then um, Natty Dread is probably which is earlier. Is right, one of my. You know, that there's, uh, that I, I, I honestly, at one time, I think I had them all on CD mm-hmm. and listened to them all on a regular. They all have their, they all have their place. I listened to, I listened to a good chunk of them. I probably get through about seventy percent of the catalog. Yeah. Leading up to this, I'm not necessarily completely up to snuff on exactly what yeah. is on what album because yeah, yeah. I've listened well, there's to a lot all of them. Too, there's man. a lot there's a lot of songs and there's, there's a lot of a like lot weird compilations too there's a where lot of like, b-sides Whoa. that of yeah. songs um but the just in in general when you go and listen to the catalog his music just really covered a lot and you know once again to go back to anybody that thinks reggae music is simple music it his catalog really moves yeah. all over the place and is very very worldly and very very yeah i mean I definitely attribute that to the producers he worked with to island records had a lot to do with that but once again very very hard working musician that really had his focus on what his sound was going to be and you know always be the hardest working right. in the room and you know, he was willing to sacrifice anything to make that music happen and believe in it. And you know, it's another just important message to musicians, too, you know, because it's, it's all self-made. And he's somebody that really is a perfect example of, you know, you can't take somebody in our modern era that had it as rough as a musician as some of these guys. Yeah, right. You know, they were growing up in a much different time and a much different place that a lot of us can't even fathom right yeah yeah. and they made so much happen yeah and uh still it still rings true to these day yeah and that's what i mean i think that's that's the that's the um the real legacy in that way right is that it it no matter when you listen to it it just is always seems relevant Right, you know what I mean? Like it, you're always like, oh, yeah, man. Uh, you know what? <laughs> you know, and another factor is too. It feels so 
Um, like the even like the I mean definitely the Island Records recordings. I mean earlier stuff is a bit rougher, but um, uh, I think another thing to this music too is as a lot of it doesn't sound dated. No, like it's, what's up it's with timeless. that? It's very timeless. It's timeless. Yeah, like there's right, no like right. crazy. I mean the original the version of No Woman No Cry with the drum machine. But nobody really even knows that version. That's on the yeah, album. Everybody knows the single that's, that's version. That's the Nancy Dread album. Yeah, that's, which that's, I dig. I love that era. Yeah, the, the, the earlier, the earlier Island Records stuff is just so. It's a little raw too. I think. I think the production really ramps up in you know the last three albums, the Confrontation album, which mm-hmm. is the one that I'm pretty sure is the one that's released right after he passes. Yeah, you're right um, about that. Yeah, survive. And, it goes. Survi- uh, survival's right before that, though. Yeah, and then yeah. the last one. But, yeah, and then the last one. Yeah. But yeah, you like the the production is like it holds up today. It sounds fresh. Um, there's no like crazy '80s drum machines that I hate. You know what I mean? Yeah, none. None. Yeah. Even the early stuff that's done in the smaller before Island Records right. still holds up. And I don't know. It's really you can hear so much of modern recording in those records and. Yeah. Right, like modern styles and tastes. Like um, another thing I I, th- I found interesting too. Now that we're kind of like you know, Bob after Exodus kind of you know releases a couple more albums, but he does get sick, right? And that's kind of yeah. like the other aspect of why we're you know it slows down a bit here. Yeah. So I um, mortality comes creeping in. It yes. does, uh, and unfortunately for him, very young, only thirty six years old. But um, so I guess that yeah. So as the story goes, is that he injures his toe while he's playing soccer. And then when he goes to the doctor to get the toe checked out because it's kind of infected or whatever, the doctor's just like, hey, just a heads up, like you have like the early stages of a melanoma. Uh, We need to take the toe. Right. And he's just like, no, I'm not going to let you take the toe because if you take the toe, then it's going to affect my stage performance. Right. You know, he's going to have well, a hard time standing. His football. You know? I mean, just to put that out there, he was a huge soccer fan and soccer player. Too. Oh, yeah. He right. was constantly a football or as they would refer to it, a footballer. Too, that was if sure. he wasn't making if he wasn't in the studio or with his family, that's what he was doing. And that was. You know, the, that was an in-between thing. And, which, you know, just once again, probably something that we don't really fathom now to right. be a musician that will go outside with your friends and play soccer in between. I mean, I'm sure it happens somewhere, but that would be a regular thing for them. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's... Um, it, but this decision to not take the toe ends up being his, his undoing in, in a sense because... Come to find out, it's it's it ends up being a very malignant type of melanoma, and uh, what it ends up happening is is it spreads to his brain. But he is constantly working till right up till death. But he doesn't stop. Yeah, that's the thing though is like he is not. He's like nope. It's like the guy gets cancer and he's just like yeah. So what? I'm yeah, like keep doing it. Like uh, Roy was saying too. Like right after he died, a full album of material was released with one of his biggest singles of all time, "Buffalo Soldier," on it. Like you know, right? right yeah, and yeah. like it's right after he dies. And it's, it's, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like so, and that's saw, in the 80s, guys. 80s. I saw his band last summer. So, I mean, that's, yeah. that's yeah. how, that's how, it, that's, that's how far the legacy of the music has gone. Yeah. You know, he's, and I mean, how many, how many people play his music? How many people just know, know his songbook? You know, there's so, it's a very, you know, not, never recreated, but definitely, um, Universal's songs to learn as a, you know, young young guitar players and musicians across the world. Yep. Great great music to go after and learn. 
Yeah, and and like too accessible. Like, yeah, like and Roy was saying earlier too, like you know uh, the Clash and stuff. Like these musicians would take Bob's stance, uh, like just his his posture. Maybe that's how I'll phrase it. Like they yeah. would take his posture. And and further the message, and and then you have Joe Strummer, which I I'm sure you've heard doing like his version of Redemption song, right? Yeah. Like, and um, I think Johnny Cash does one too, and and Johnny Cash will, 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 was kind of posturing in a, in a very different way, but um, you know, maybe like for in a very different way, but you even have Johnny Cash covering that song, so it's like, yeah. you know, all these great you think of like uh, poles of of like. Uh, you know the foundations of like rock music or like you know or just yeah. music in general like you have these political people like johnny cash and and joe strummer and right and th- that legacy you know is clear right up on through but it's like what we always talk about right i mean people who listen to the podcast know you know like we're kind of like you know we're working guys we're blue sort of blue collar guy we're factory workers you know roy included he's kind of a blue collar worker kind yeah. of guy you know and and the thing is is that the, it it very much becomes like the people's music man right you and that, that's and, and it, we were listening sorry to cut you off but like when we were talking earlier when i listened to uh, a redemption song and he says um and my hands were made strong by the hand of the almighty you know you hear lines like that and you're like oh my god like it gives you a sense of of courage it makes you it like it, it like it it opens a door where you can kind of like dig deep right as a person and like get through all Working the waves on a night of, shift. <laughs> you know, yeah but in it's a like forklift. it's you know you get it it just makes you want to like push through all the all the all, the whole thing the whole big picture all of craziness night. that is life you know what i mean and you're just like nah man if you just have like have faith man have faith like and that's where I don't know. I that's why I I love Bob Marley. Yeah. And I think he, he gave a lot of people faith. And yeah. I mean, it's just like the muse that's why I mean people like the 75 year and people still care so much about this guy because yeah. it, you know, the messages are still getting discovered by everybody at every age. It's accessible to people and like yeah. you know, it'll give you like stuff straight out of the Bible. It'll give you like stuff out of uh, you know, all these different kind of things, yeah. these different types of figures and and love and uh and, and social you know justice and and all that kind of stuff where like you know it's real people's music and it's giving uh, you know a wide range of people these ideas in their home very accessibly he respected right. history very much yeah he put his yeah. people's history and his music and documented yeah he documented that time's political strife and made it where it will always be yeah, accessible. He's, yeah, he's to very everybody. much a historian no, that, as much as boy, he is a musician. That's, that's right on. I, I love that you said that because that's like that articulated it so well. In the same way that he was trying to bring people to the other history of the time when he would like do a song like Exodus, right? And that was that he was bringing the times forward and then wrote his own story, and so people could capture it in a time yeah. of that they could relate to. You know what I mean? That yeah. they understood oh, yeah. more. For me, the I have such a I have such a I feel very drawn to Bob Marley in the way as well is that like, you know, it's I'm Greek and Greek Orthodoxy is Greek Orthodox Christian part of Eastern Orthodox Christianity is something that I was brought up in. You know what I mean? I was raised in this, and then to find that like the Rastafarian um, faith is very much based and rooted in Ethiopian orthodoxy. Right. And then uh, Bob Marley's eventual conversion, he became baptized Ethiopian orthodox. That, for me, was like a whoa kind of thing. You know what I mean? Because it's like, 
I mean, like, look, I don't, well, it I don't a know. Christian message. It, the, the right, message, right. And the, the message of be good to everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and the thing is, love is that, one another. Right. right. That there's another guy that was putting that message out there. Right. right. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. Absolutely. And for me, it's like being like being the, the Greek Orthodox kid, I guess, in school. Like when you grow up, you're just like, oh, you're the you're the ones who have like that weird Easter, right? Where you like kill a goat or something and then eat it. You know, like that's kind of right. the stereotype that emerged. But like for me, again to like just see Bob Marley that he had roots in Ethiopian orthodoxy and too for me as, as having spirituality be something very important to my life seeing a person like Bob Marley doing something like that and then eventually converting to Ethiopian orthodoxy kind of validated some things for me yeah I was just of, like oh man on, like, on no, lamest terms made it cool yeah, in a way, yeah, and I and I hate to kind of like degrade it to that kind of a. No, but I mean that, that's but you important. Know what I'm to yeah, say. it's yeah, important. Like, he made it acceptable. He made he made it okay to be. His music showed people that there were people in the world. You know that it's okay to be connected to the earth. Yeah, be connected right, to, right, 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 right. You, know, mm. the you bigger should picture, be. Man. You yeah. should be. He was always looking at the bigger. Yeah, picture. be mind, be mindful of the universe, God, whatever yeah. you want to, however you want to put it. Just yeah. be mindful of that and right. think about that. You know what I mean? And have faith. So I, I dig that too, man. Know, I yeah. dig that too. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, you know, I think it's safe to say that just. Bob Marley, man. Okay. One so love. I want to like maybe like shout out like anything that like, because I mean like Bob Marley stuff, you know, is kind of like a, um, almost like Kiss merchandise nowadays, not to be that guy <laughs> guy, but like, you know, like, but, we yeah, have headphones, no, turntables, soap, uh, shampoo, like, I don't know, well, and, shirts. And to be real about it, think about in the sense of commerce, like Jamaica, like Jamaica is very much heavily dependent on that marketing, the brand that is right. Bob Marley that, to help that their brand, island. That, I mean, and that's, well, that and tourism, right? Right, right. And we said it, we said it a while ago, he was, the, it, especially at that time, the people of Kingston were that was their leader in a lot of ways and people yeah. literally ate he set up kitchens he housed people he you know I watched a documentary leading up to this thing where they had talked about how in a lot of days he kind of held like almost like held court and had the people of the community coming and talking to him about the issues they could do that's where yeah that's where their legacy went and I mean i pretty sure in my mind that that is you know the bob marley foundation tough gong records everything yeah. is still going on so in my mind it has always been one purchase of anything with right. his name on it and most unless it's something bootleg that someone's just making money off of i and think you probably i think you're probably you're probably giving your money to a pretty good end user because yeah, you're that's... probably feeding little children because that whole family takes yeah. care of their people and has always yeah, taken care of their people. And no, their... absolutely. And even uh... even to the bootleg stuff, though. Like, I mean, there's a lot of people making Bob Marley stuff, but uh, a lot of them are kind of like deadheady too, where it's kind of like they you know might make like a Bob Marley like a uh, ashtray and blanket or like you know hat or something, and they yeah. sell it on the side and they make that kind of little business. And it's not I'm not saying it's right, but you know what I mean. Like, it's still at some level like uh, sustaining somebody because we know we all see it everywhere everywhere we go there's bob marley stuff you go on vacation you go to the beach there's it's everywhere it's on towels oh yeah 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 at the very least if not explicitly bob marley the color like the rasta colors you know like the yellow the green the black yeah and uh, and the red and to too i wanted to talk to like because of that like 
um like i've had a lot of like cool stuff like you know there's a lot of cool info and stuff and like i wanted to maybe like if anybody bought like i wanted to know like maybe you had like a like a special certain cd or like live thing because like i know when i was little uh I, i had the i bought it at walmart like the uh yeah. It was the uh, live seventy five at the Rainbow concert. Mm. I remember watching that. I just listened to it the other day. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. I used to watch yeah. that, it's incredible. that DVD. I used to watch it on uh. repeat over and over. And I had like the T shirt live seventy five. Like yeah, yeah. it was. I was really because I was like, yeah, I bought this for eight dollars at Walmart. But like that's <laughs> because it's so accessible. Like I got to listen to that whole concert, see these great players, and uh, I mean, like that's something that I like held personally as like a you know memorabilia thing that I thought was really yeah. cool, and I always really liked that live show i was like wondering even if it was like sneakers or something did you guys have like a necklace sneaker something <laughs> cool bob marley that you like oh yeah, for me i was the posters guy okay I yeah i definitely had a bob marley poster. like the one where he's like laughing and he's smoking like that really big spliff yeah. that's burning really weird <laughs> it's burning all bad you can see it's all yeah like i had the, na- the the picture which is the cover of natural mystic the mm. the compilation the yeah, side yeah. view we had that poster in my room but I, yeah man, I, I just... I, um in being you know, I was born in 1980. I would say that my generation is when his marketing truly went mainstream. So maybe, yeah. maybe because you guys are, you know, a half a generation, a generation behind me, right? You're seeing, you see the merchandising a little bit more. I mean, I definitely, you know, he 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 was definitely prominent right through though. I I mean, in 80s music, you know the reggae music just went huge and so far after him and i mean there's a lot of bands that ran concurrent with him like i mentioned burning spear which is another one of my favorite reggae acts that's been yeah running right since that time yeah yeah you know incredible the thing about the uh merchandising thing is it's like a like two years ago my wife and i went on our honeymoon uh, we took a cruise you know but what's so crazy is is we did not visit the island of jamaica we did not <laughs> but let me tell you it was like i was just always on the island of jamaica because it's like because that because because jamaican reggae is has come to define not even necessarily come to define not only necessarily jamaica but the whole like bahamas and caribbean area because no matter where you are I'm just like, oh, this is the Whalers. You know what I mean? Like, you're down there, or this is Desmond Decker, or, like, this is Steel Pulse, or this is, you know what I mean? So it's like, it's immediately, you're just kind of like, oh, yeah, it's everywhere. I didn't, I went to, we went to, like, Nassau. We went to, uh, um, I don't know, Grand Turk, I think. We went to, you know, but these are all different islands. But it's all just like, yep, it's always there. Those colors, always there. That music, always there. You know, so that's. That in itself, to where it, be, it, it came voice to... Def- of, it was definitely a voice of the Caribbean. Definitely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Know, it brought the Caribbean... And, I mean, there's a lot of Caribbean musicians that have brought their music worldwide, but, I mean, probably the best example. I mean, yeah. you know, we met, we shouted out Harry Belafonte earlier, but, I mean, most, pe- most people under the age of 35 probably are not going to know who that is unless they look it up. Everybody knows right, who Bob right. Marley is. Yeah. Yeah, no. <laughs> right. I mean, there's no, yeah. Right, like, even, even to, like, the fad in America, like, the, I think this is one to say, too, like, the fad in America and around the world of, like, um, like, Ray, like, what I'm, oh, man, I kind of lost the thought there, but what I was trying to say is, like, um, okay, no, I got it. Here we go. So, like, um, in the mid-60s, there's, like, a big bossa nova thing, right, where, like, it becomes popular, but that doesn't stick around, right? It does. It, it makes like a small wave, 
We still are listening to reggae music. There's still an active music In its music original scene. format. That's crazy to me. And it's yeah. awesome. Because yeah. like that Bossa Nova thing, like th- things like that die out. But Bob Marley lives on and reggae lives on in its original form still. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. That's awesome. And that's the difference, I think. Like between mu- like well, that's why this musical style is so important. It's so original. And, uh, yeah. you know, it needs to be talked about and celebrated. And, you know, Bob is the bringer to the world, which is yeah. what a gift for everybody and that's the thing too is from like what I saw what I thought was interesting is that it didn't it came at a cost in other words not even necessarily like in terms of from, from like a political standpoint but also like the word I, I saw an interview where they were where the interviewer was saying something in regards to like there are Rastas out there that kind of think that you're like I mean to put it starkly like full of shit like you know what I mean? Like you're a Rasta, you preach the Rasta thing, but you're not necessarily living simply, right? Because you have this money, you drive a BMW, sure. you know, you're buying these worldly things, like you're making the studio and you're doing this, that, and the other thing, you know? Mm-hmm. But then once I think they realize it's just kind of like, oh, he's literally feeding like 4,000 people. Right. <laughs> They're yeah. kind of like, oh, you know what? No, he is doing God's work. Never mind. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> you know? And then they just honor him so much. And right. it's, you know, I mean, there are words thrown around. I, I think that Bob Marley would dismiss them, but there's things like, it's the kind of like, you know, it's the prophet, saint. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So you got to understand, like, regardless whether or not you believe it, they believe it. And that way that he is intertwined in, like, the story of J- the country of Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Like, time. he is Jamaica. Like He's he, a spiritual like, figure. Yeah, man. And, I mean, th- there are there are kind of, like, mystical stories that you hear about, like, you know, when, when, um, when he died, um, that... Uh, one of the women who sang in the in the group of three that was also made up of yep. Rita and then I forget the other two's names. I'm sorry, but um, oh, well, you got us. She I was Marsha Griffith, Marsha Judy Moat. Okay, so one of them. Uh, there's an interview. Are the I threes? The I threes. Thank I3s. you. Yes, the I threes. Um, but there, yeah. As the story goes, um, when Bob Marley died, right? Uh, Jamaica hadn't received word that he had died, right? Mm-hmm. But like on the day that he died. Uh, there was they they explained it as being like there was a moment where all of a sudden like a heavy thunderstorm came through and there was a big boom of thunder and like a, a lightning and the lightning came into the house and struck on a picture of Bob Marley right you know and the, and that's what I'm like when you hear them explaining this they're just like yeah it was like the earth shook because it lost Bob Marley yeah you know what I mean so and I, I you know I believe it man. Sorry, I believe it. When he had that, when he did the other concert that he was very famous for, where he joined the hands of Michael Michael Manley and and, uh, the other guy, I mean, another situation where, okay, you watch the footage, maybe the thunder and lightning hit after he, like, he kind of has, like, maybe, like, a freak out, you know, and he's like, "Ah, ah, ah," and then he just starts dancing right when he, like, he hits you with the last, like, sort of grunt cry. There's, like, a, you know, and all that. I don't know if that's edited in it or not, but I don't really care because you know what? It's still just as powerful. And then he brings them together and they hold hands and he raises their hands up together. Yeah, unity. You know what I mean? Yeah, unity in that sense. Yeah, two people that could not be in the same room together. So let me tell you what, that's why you end up on a most wanted list. Right. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to call it what the fuck it is, guys. Like, you know what I mean? If If you're influencing that much of a social change and you're a musician somebody's gonna be like hmm even to like the mystical presence of it right like there's that show as well I think it was in Zimbabwe he was playing where he got um gassed right tear gassed um I yeah, know I've because... seen that footage before and his band 
like Bob is so in the zone. Like this is how kind of like mystical it gets. Like he's in so in the zone of like playing and representing these songs that someone threw like a, a tear gas bomb on stage and his band retreats. They kind of stop playing. Oh yeah, and Bob Marley does not even know that that happened because he's so in the groove. You can watch his footage of it, mm-hmm. and he calls his band back to the stage. He's like, "No, no, no! The only way we're gonna calm these people is to calm these people and play. So we're gonna get back on stage. You're gonna wipe the tear gas from your eyes, and we're gonna get in the zone again. Like, and it's like James Brown on like a million. Yeah, you yeah. know that's what that is. You yeah. know, it's it's like that spirit of and- like. I mean, really think about it, though. And that so not only is he interwoven in the narrative of Jamaica, but now he also is just in Africa as well. Like he's the guy like, you know what I mean? He it's he writes songs for Zimbabwe. He writes songs for Ethiopia. It's all the, the you know, you it's the the music is. And again, to the unity, all this the, sort of the unity message is like know? we're in America talking about this. Right. And he, you know, everywhere and making he was us talking aware about America as well. He, yeah, he definitely was was well aware of all of oh, the yeah. things going on concurrent yeah. with everything he was very conscious that you know they all they were all let's not forget at this time they were newspaper readers they had to act, you know that's how you got your news listen yeah. to the radio and read newspapers and yeah. read think read mag you know they were all educated people yeah They're and self, he was very much educated and self-aware and yeah were, very much aware know. of the times that he was living in man yeah. he was very very yeah. aware his message was worldwide and he was you know sing, he wasn't just singing for his people he was definitely singing for you know the entire world the entire world <laughs> yeah. and well just yeah. to, that you can't have how long are they going to kill our prophets while we stand aside and look? <laughs> I know, you right? Know? He like lays that on you. It's get, so amazing. Yeah, it's the truth when you it's think amazing. about it. There's no, there's no part of cult. You know, you can, you could take those words and go any way with them. Right. Almost right. any philosophy. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's so relatable in that way too. You know, definitely. it's like the Beatles saying, "All you need is love." You know what I mean? You're like, yeah, but it's driven so much. So much more in a dip, yeah. Oh, yeah, on a completely different level. Different he brings level. he brings it to a completely yeah, his struggle, different level. His struggle speaks through his music. In yeah, a yeah, whole and different I, f- I feel way. like his religious convictions as well. Really, Definitely. like there's a heaviness quality to his music because you're just like, man, this dude's really Convic- like he's doing convicted. it, man. You're doing it. You're you know he's going for it, and you can hear it. You know, so yeah, um, he definitely suffered the the whole rock star deal towards the end of his life too with dealing with cancer and definitely mm-hmm. was you know with a bit mm-hmm. withdrawn from people and but he always stayed rooted to his music being the main thing and you know it's a shame that shame that he left us as early as because imagine the music that would have happened because that's you know you really think about it he only got about a good solid 15 yeah 13 15 years of yeah, solid recording. To be work, honest, I think the world as we know it would be very different if Bob yeah. Marley hadn't passed. Yeah, like it, yeah, it, I think so. It, it, and that's the thing too. Like even like with different musical styles, like uh, I think punky reggae party. Have you ever heard that song? Shouts mm. out the Clash. Like so, he was like hip too on like the new movements of stuff and yeah. like. And I, I would have been excited to hear what was going to come. You know what I mean? And and that's you know the tragedy of it is you know we're yeah. left. I'm thankful we're left with the catalog we have, though, because what great, what a great yeah. catalog of and, music and, to leave, and and yeah. you know it's it's sad that it's not more because 
obviously we all want to hear like you know present day what what bob would have to say because i think he'd be a common it's, it's voice a shame you have a whole i mean obviously that all all the great musicians that have left us in one way or another are a shame but when you talk about the conviction he had for everybody having a better life mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah he was really making a better place yeah. for people in his own way and really cared about that and, yeah he was, was like serious. People, he was our mouth. He was the people's mouth yeah. saying, "This is what is wrong. Like this yeah. is, and this is how to fit." You know what I mean? Very and he much. was very serious about his music. He was very non-compromising. Wanted to work with the best people. Well, put yeah, very disciplined. In situ- disciplined. Um, put himself in the right places at the right time, and did whatever it took to mm, get yeah. him, him or his band his music onto the next level he was really right. driven by that so and, and, and I, he was no bullshit either like he read his bible he knew his bible he did his fasts he he ate consciously he like every aspect of his life was very very much like mindfully interconnected yes, I, I feel mindfully like aware of his yeah. all this stuff that we're stating right of how like he his you know he put himself where he needed to be and he did really hard work and i think that's why like his legacy today is still so well known um, because like, you know, there are bands and artists that don't have a great, uh, legacy, but like, uh, you know, we're, I'm talking like a modern legacy. Mm-hmm. Right. And I feel like Bob's is, is, is well taken care of because the people that, you know, were left in charge of the things, you know, whatever to take care of, they push the narrative of Bob and they keep him in the, the forefront in the, of their minds and in their yeah. hearts. And, and that's that you don't get that from people when you leave when you weren't a good person you mm-hmm. know what i'm saying like if if he wasn't as great as he was that legacy that would have been a bit more uh tough to upkeep but it's such a powerful me- great message that i think people find ease in doing it I'll, because yeah. it's so it's it's such a um well yeah it's such it's such a treat to share that kind of message it, with everybody this is the way that i see it man and maybe i'm drawing kind of like a far out you know comparison but bear with me here you know, in the way that, is, say you were to drive down a street in Thailand, what do you see everywhere? Buddhas. There's Buddhas everywhere. There's Buddhas on walls. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of like that in Jamaica. It's yeah. very, very much. There are sort of these, like, monuments and kind of like... And look, I'm not saying the Buddha's Bob Marley and Mar- Bob Marley's the Buddha. What I am saying is just in the way that there is a reverence for him in a way that kind of heightens his relevance to... Dare I say a religious level, like a like I'll, a I'll add, profit level? I'll add to this: there's teenage people in America right now with a Bob Marley poster on their wall, and that's the best spirituality that they're getting in their lives. Probably, Do you, you know what I'm saying, and they're yeah. they're getting a vibe from that. And why isn't that valid? That's amazing and beautiful, and that's what I think that we're all bringing to the table that we respect out of Bob Marley the most is that message yeah. that he can, can change a life. Man. He can change a life. Well, unfortunately, his music is still very relevant. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, and I mean, and I say that in unfortunately because it's a message that we can continue to listen and apply to our lives until we all can apply it to our lives. Right, right. Until we all apply it to our lives, it'll be a good thing to always go back and listen to. And I mean, know, I would like him listening even, to him. Even, yeah. even then, even then it will still yeah. be great. But yeah, I mean... I, I think I, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I mean, again, maybe going far out again, but listening to his music can, can kind of become like a meditation. 
kind of like a yoga, kind of like a spiritual practice in that way, where it's like you're still listening to conscious music. You know what I mean? So even if it's just if it's in the media that you consume, eventually certain little little switches in the brain kind of start getting switched on a little bit more. You're like, hey man, this guy's talking a lot about You're, love. Maybe love something that's important that I should think of. Right. You're both familiar with "Time Will Tell," the song "Time Will Time yeah. Will Tell." Um, in my mind, that is one of Western music's entire most tranquil moments. Mm. That song, there's a tranquility in the rhythm of it. It's got yeah. hand drums in the background. It's very, you know, rooted. It's very earthy sounding, and it's recorded that way too. And um, I just feel that his music was so warm and inviting. Mm. That that it's was, like a hug, right? I mean, his yeah, music is like yeah, a hug, like a real even hug, not like a romantic hug. And you know? even when he's talking about the issues that were relevant to his life, he wasn't giving it to you in a in a blood splattered way. He was giving it to you in a real right pal- palatable mm-hmm. yeah. way to understand that he was good at communicating yeah. the message without turning people off right which is 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 how i think his nuance is is very pop right or as would say like maybe his method because he gives because he gives you these really really singable memorable lines (laughs) get up stand up because yeah, he's rage against the machine too. Like, oh, I mean, yeah, he's absolutely yeah, come yeah. on twenty years, twenty thirty years early. Yep. But think of how the message is brought about. If you're going to compare the two things, it's a social justice, but it's you know they rage against the machine being really drove it down people's throats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Bob right. Marley put it on a beautiful platter, laid it out for you, yeah. gave it to you with a soft voice. And said, "Hey, here's my music. Let's talk about this." Yeah, yeah. Like, so where everybody could listen to it because of the way that it was brought to them, right? Right. The, right, a lot, right. In a lot of cases, it's the same message. Yeah. You know, Marvin Gaye. Yeah. So very another you know had a lot of you know really palatable and I think songs as well. Too, yeah, I you think know. the reason why those songs are so smart is because even if you're not listening to it from maybe say like a conscious point of view. The groove is still just so good and it catches you. And it's like, even if you're not listening to the lyrical content, you know, the instrumentation of the music itself is like really cool. You know, it, it gives you just such a nice vibe, you know, it gives, it, Definitely. you know, so that's how it hooks you. It hooks you with that rhythm because you're and like, then you this is unlike any rhythm I've ever heard. Right. And then you hear it and you listen closer and closer. And then you start, like Roy said, hearing the words. Then you're like, hmm, maybe I should start thinking about these big picture topics <laughs> and, and stuff like that. Hmm, yeah. Maybe I should have some yeah. sort of self introspection thoughts and think about the world around me and how I affect it. Yeah, he and his actions, song you know? right he and his songwriting partners were definitely um whether they were aware of it or not really good at putting um subtle messages in the music that make it yeah. something that says something bigger than what the actual line says. Right. You know, just yeah. I mean <laughs> There's so many quotable lines, it's not even fun. <laughs> Yeah, it's, yeah, it's everything's... A, every, you know, it's one, like every song, man. One, it's almost like every song. You know, like yeah. one good thing about music, when it hits, you feel no pain. Like, I yeah. mean, that's just... Gospel. Yeah. It's that thing. <laughs> it yeah. very much is. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. The gospel There's according a, to Bob. Right. You know? And it's, yeah, it's very much kind of like he is this uh, Rastafarian preacher, you know, and he's just giving you like, hey, listen... <laughs> 
and an incredibly smart studio musician. Yeah. Man of the people, knew how to deal knew with how people. To knew how to market himself, too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah, he was very smart. And he, but that was the thing is that he his motivation and was I, for I, the betterment I, of his people. You know what I mean? It yeah, was when bigger I say, than him. When I say market, I, 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 I mean like even just present his ideas. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that kind of market. Not like, you know, the, the stuff we were talking about earlier. But like, Yeah, like merchandise. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking like he knew how to like, you know, met, you know send his message out. He knew yeah. how to, uh, you know, what package it should be labeled in. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know? man. And – uh yeah, even just like yeah, I, I, I mean, he made everything pop. He made the the catchphrases popular, you know, mm-hmm. one love, uh, Yaman, you know, like stuff like that. Not to, you know, obviously, but yeah, gave gave us gave us even like slang, you know. That yeah, kind of that's stuff. what I mean. Yeah. yeah, so he he very much permeated all culture. Right. Well, yeah, and entirely. he was taking and that's an was, accomplishment. He was yeah. taking a lot of what was said on the street. And putting it into his music too, and using the the lingo of the lingo of his people. Oh, a good good yeah. one just popped in my head. Whosoever diggeth a pit shall fall in it. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that just makes so much sense. I'm sure yeah. that that's an adaptation of something that somebody said, a proverb of per se. Right, right. And, that was, you know, but that's he made that. Where here, I, I just know that it's in my right. head, and that's. <laughs> What's yeah. a better moral statement than that? Right. You know? Right. Right. Think about it. Yeah, man. So, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, he he did pass of the uh, the melanoma at 36 years old. So, um, who knows what? Yeah, he would have brought to the table now. But uh, I mean, his legacy will live on far beyond our lifetimes. I think, and you know what he was able to give, like his fellow countrymen and uh, even his family. You right. know, like even his family. Like he 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 made a thing that was. I think he, I I believe that he knew that it was bigger than him and that he was making something that he was making it to last. You know, he was very much just kind of like, all right, let me use all of this to my advantage and lay down something that can that can help my country. Right. Whether it's music or like we said earlier, like merchandising, whatever it is, it's it's he it's yeah. you know what I mean? So we we kind of like are rapping on Bob. I want to know like from Roy because I know Roy's kind of like a reggae guy over here. Like you've more, maybe more like tested your toes in the water of other reggae artists. Definitely. So like if you like Bob Marley, Roy, what? Because we're like, I want to point people in other directions too of like some good stuff that's like yeah. hip and happening. Like, what other artists would you say? Like, it doesn't you have to? It, it could be in any time, but like, what kind of artists were you like uh, influenced to search out after Bob? Uh, let's see. I mean. Well, there's definitely, you know, Bob Bob Marley's influence and the reggae influence of that time definitely leans heavy into modern with the electronic music, too. You know, you have what we refer to as dubstep, which is pretty much the club music of the modern time. Dub is, you know, a very slowed down version of the reggae beat that gets laid out. So, I mean... um, you have that whole genre of music that's super reggae dependent, the jungle, jungle and tech right, step, right. Uh, which is you know electronic music in my mind from 10, 15 years ago, but still very yeah. prevalent. Um, and then, I mean, you said Steel Pulse earlier. I, I definitely yeah. would recommend Steel Pulse. I'll shout out Burning Spears again. Yeah. Really one of my favorites. The Abyssinians, that's a, another very... Um, heavily um rastafarian influenced music from that time um 
I mean, I'm really I want to see Damian. I, yeah, I haven't got to see him. You know, and there, you know, I, I mean, I could go down the list. I, I as far you know, Buju Bantan, another another. You know, if you're if you're looking for good spiritual music, he's got a lot of really good on message songs too. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm I'm definitely more into the older music than the current music. Yep. Um, there's a lot of, you know, in the jam band world, there's a lot of good stuff going on. Tribal Seeds. Oh, um, yeah. Really, um, really good band. Hope Road. Hope, oh, yeah, local. Shout out to Hope Road. Local, yeah. local band. That's yeah, they, yeah. They, And they, they, I mean, they put on incredible show. Oh, yeah, I've seen it before. Time. Yeah, and they're all part of, like, a musical community made up of bands like uh, Green Tea and... Um, Sunday Gravy. Sunday Gravy, thank yep. you. And, yeah, Westerly, uh, Rhode Island. Soul Searchers, wasn't that? Isn't yeah, it? Westerly, Rhode, all Westerly, Rhode Island and Mystic, that area. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, great bands, man, great local bands. Stick um, Figure. Stick okay. Figure, that's yep. a... Um, you know, the, and I mean reggae music. Just believe, like I like I had said, I, um, one of my favorite bands ever is Rancid, and mm-hmm. very reggae influenced, ska influenced band. I mean, I know that maybe Operation the, Ivy. Oh yeah, well that's the another progenitor. Band, See, that's like my favorite. You know? That's like my favorite kind of like offshooty. I mean, oh, I like I yeah, like that a lot. I that's that. that's the progenitor. There, that's the protozoa and the part to a whole lot of East Bay East Bay punk rock music. But that music there is. The swing of that music because is all um, very much reggae influenced. So I mean, they go to, and then I mean, my my, my favorite punk band, No Effects, definitely. Right. That's what I was like saying too, because like you, like you, all, you were leading me in that direction. Yeah, because I, mean, I, 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 yeah, because like I, I know that you enjoy all those bands and heavily influence whole yes. you know movement, and I think that yeah. I think that's super cool because it um, sounds so different, such a different perspective, and I, I love that you listen to like the range of it you know check out the voodoo yeah. glow skulls that's another old ska punk band that was really you know real horn driven at from that era too that's definitely reggae ska um with the punk rock back that's like the music of my like 15 16 year old mind i'm doing all reggae and punk rock and right you know kind of all of the counterculture music i'm right, right. you know people look at me now and everybody thinks i'm a hippie but that's really kind of the <laughs> where where i all root myself and right, it's all right. of that music and then all yeah. of the other you know rock and roll stuff ran concurrent with it but i mean just as reggae would run con- you know absolutely. concurrent like with you know you get your two-tone kind of stuff and then you got like yeah you know, like Operation Ivy making that kind of like the the new '90s punk movement, uh, and highly influenced with horns. I mean, you have bands such as like, you know, Real Big Fish coming later <laughs> that had bigger Jays, hits, uh, Less here. Than Jake, Less like than Jake, all yep. that stuff that would come out at that yep. time. Uh, Goldfinger. Yup. I mean, there, there's so many bands with horns at the time. Yeah. Real I, Big Fish. Remember they were. Dude, I saw Real Big. I saw Real <laughs> yeah, Big Fish big three times. <laughs> no the way. Mi- the mighty school. mighty boss tones. You yeah, have all of that. Tones. You can you can pretty much that whole era of punk rock east and west coast that has the ska influence on it. I mean in ska too, like I know there if one of my biggest um critiques of music in general right now is everything is so genre fied mm-hmm. and pigeonholed. Oh, yeah. So there's all kinds of music. That probably leans yeah. outside of genres that people don't pay attention to because it's only in a genre. So there's, 
you know, all of those bands that we just mentioned mm-hmm. are really, if they were out today, would probably be a ska band. Or if right. you're in a reggae band, you're like, yeah, we play rock steady, or we and, we're a reggae band that plays fish. We, you know, the, you right, have a lot right. of different, you have a lot of different things, and you actually that can that whole scene definitely crosses over. You yeah. have the, you have the Deadhead Fish, um, Bob Marley. Right, reggae right. in general, it all kind of weaves together into one blanket. A lot of the yeah. songbook weaves into things. Especially you know, like shout out the... to Creamery Station, one of my favorite yeah, bands. Yeah, they yeah. do stop that train, yeah. which is a Peter Tosh, Bob Marley and the Whalers song, yeah, yeah. early song. Stop that oh, I train. love yeah that album. That that album is where th- those albums where you hear Bunny and Peter a lot more. I really. Enjoy yeah, too, and I really implore everybody to really. That's really, in my mind, the gospel of of, of reggae music, right there. Yeah. Catch a fire and burning. I mean, this, those two albums specifically. Yeah. I mean, if you, you know, Legend is the highly produced. Those are the raw product of yeah. them at the right. height of. You know, they weren't super polished in the studio yet. When you look at what they did with Exodus probably 10 years later almost right. close to 10 years later you know it's a much more polished studio project those right, right. those songs were recorded fast and they were just such good songs yeah i've um Ooh, okay high tide or low tide that's a song that i i have recently rediscovered and absolutely love yeah. the movement of i like what you said too with the immediacy of like the maybe the earlier works of bob too is like led to the like the i think punk people really saw the immediacy of Big it too time. right because it's like oh it's fast you gotta record it fast kind of sounds a little rough at some points but whatever just but whatever it get, it out, out, get it out get it out get it out you know what i mean well they had enough material they they had a but they had a tight budget they weren't working with they mm-hmm. weren't yeah. working with a diy huge, straight up yeah, you they know? were do, they were doing it themselves that's another reason why i thought this would be a perfect thing for this program too because that's kind of the people you guys yeah. concentrate on is a lot of the I also you know. I also wanted to shout out too like uh, we have Roy here we have not said once that Roy is a local musician in a band <laughs> yes Peerless Poppers and yes. I wanted to shout that out um, bandmate of Jeffrey May who has Either. also been on the show before yeah. Yeah. Peerless Poppers are a great friend of the show. You should check them Thank out. You. Yeah, uh, on and at Facebook, one point we were in a band. With, both of us were in a band with Roy as well. So we're all we're all musicians. We're all you know part of a community, man. We all know each other. Yeah, we're you all good buddies. You know, check out the Poppers because you know if you like Bob, you will like the Poppers. You know yeah. what I mean? It's not the same thing, but <laughs> Thank you. I, you know what I mean. But like, <laughs> thanks it's, for the plug, buddy. <laughs> hey man, it's you know you, we need to we need no, to support sure. local, our a, local yeah. musicians here. Absolutely, man. Well, and sometimes that, I hop in with them too and play some guitar. Yeah, Mike sits in, but music in general. General, that was that was another thing going back to Bob Marley was that was what he did and he supported himself he supported other musicians he brought people yeah. in his you know the record label Tough Gong that became that actually owns most of the rights to most of those records now because they've been purchased back mm-hmm. from the other record companies yeah you know really um, have you know made that music serve his community his family well which i mean just i mean we could just do we could you could do a whole program on people that have been run down the railroad in the music industry Mm -hmm. as far as as far and we brought up the lee scratch perry thing earlier you know that's music that they put a whole lot of energy into it's right right um you're talking 
uh, Mr. Brown, Small Axe, um, Duppy Conqueror, those early songs, which are incredible pieces of music that they didn't get any financial credit for. Right, right. I mean, they were their songs, their name was on them, but they wouldn't have pictures of them on the album because they were done. You know, they didn't get any credit for that. And, you know, so going back to how that's relatable to the modern scene, you have to support your local musicians and believe it. And if you are a musician, believe in yourself because this guy did and here we are. 75 years after <laughs> yeah. on, his, on his 75th birthday when he was yeah. only alive for 36 years doing a program about how he was yeah, one, one of, most, of the yeah. most influential musicians <laughs> ever yeah ever 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 and the, and one thing i you know like we're winding down on it too but one thing i wanted to speak to as well is man i came over here right when i got over here a couple hours ago and luke was just like hey man check this out real quick so he plays me a bob marley track and then he plays me a track off of the uh, uh, the basement tapes, Bob Marley with the band. No, no, no. Bob Dylan. Bob, sorry, Bob. Yeah, oh. I'm sorry, Bob Marley on the brain. But yeah, Bob Dylan and the band. And you can, dude, it's it's weird. You can hear there are a lot of similarities in in that. We'll do after because we can't play music on the podcast, unfortunately. But we'll I'll, we'll AB it for you after the show, man. Because like it's really it's far out. Because you're like, oh yeah, these are very much Bunny Whaler, Peter Tosh types of. Like harmony, harmony and harmony. melody type yeah, things, well, and, and even what like the Garth Hudson parts. was doing with the organ. Yeah. that's what they were doing with the organ. Right. right I just right. thought they there sounded a- incredibly similar. There's a certain album if you really want to like get the similarities that I I heard because it's definitely not in the Lee Scratch Perry stuff. It was uh this album called The Best of the Whalers, which was uh Leslie Kong uh produced, and that was recorded before the Lee Scratch stuff, before the album Soul Rebel, which was released in 1970. This album was recorded um, in 68-69, and wouldn't get released till after Soul Rebels was released, and it got released in 1971. Um, so this is like, this is kind of, you know, was one of those albums that was kind of shelved and not released or didn't have enough money, whatever. Right, right. And uh, it got released later in uh, 71, but it sounds all like incredibly like what the band was doing with Bob Dylan in the basement in Woodstock, New York. And it was almost kind of the same time period ish ish. Yeah. And yeah. I just, I felt thought that that thought was like so out there and weird and that it was almost like impossible to fit into here. But yeah, it was an interesting thing. I, oh, I, yeah. I thought to be fair. I, I mean, I listened to it and I different, the same thing. different Bob, but I actually to say relatable. I actually could relate Bob Dylan and Bob Marley. I mean, definitely coming from, I mean, a both being place, called prophets, both definitely, being... definitely bringing their blend of music to a worldwide audience. Cause I yeah. can just think of what Bob Dylan's influence on English folk, right? Yeah, yeah. Was. coming strong out and, of the English American you know, folk. So I mean, yeah. there's another rabbit hole we're not going to jump into here. But <laughs> you know, Bob, Bob Dylan, definitely, you know, and it's all happening at the same time, right? You know, right. you got to think that you know we're talking about these things that are happening. These albums in 1969, 70, 71, mm-hmm. 72. Yeah. I think we have, you know, the Jefferson Airplane is flying high. <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know, you have consciousness all of these, is in the you know, in the, the Grateful in the Dead are in their heyday. You know, where they're they're you know Europe 72 is happening in right, the same right. time. You know, so you have all of these musical influences in the world happening yeah. at the same time think of let me just th- let's go down the list really quick like what, what, you know you think of the almond brothers you know that's yeah. 1970 is the Fillmore height of you know that's yeah. that's height of with Dwayne. right you know so that's all running concurrent with this music that 
I mean, let's. I'll be completely honest with you. If I, I, I could listen to a Bob Marley album and it sounds less dated than anything from the Allman Brothers recorded at that yeah. time. And, I, yeah. and the Allman Brothers just it, probably top three band ever for Roy. So, right, but still, right, right, right. talking about the production of it, talking about the yeah. currentness of the topic, yeah. you know. The, the, in, the innovative use of instrument, yeah. right? Yeah. <clears throat> always a big band, too. I mean, the Whaler, the Whalers were always pushing the seven to nine person you know especially yeah. you had a three-piece vocal section the i3s from i know you had dated it earlier but i want to say it's mid 70s on rita puts together the i3s oh yeah and and it runs with, with them the and time, i mean the, I, I don't know if it's the original i3s but i saw the whalers with the i3s yeah. sometime in the 2000s and yeah i mean yeah i wouldn't see why they wouldn't you know like the original i3s be there they're all alive they're I'm, all I wouldn't know, but yeah, I, I wouldn't. wouldn't I wouldn't know, so therefore yeah. I do not care to. <laughs> right, right. Um, so yeah, man. So I think that about wraps everything up for Bob Marley. Um, you know, uh, love him. I love him. I don't even know him, and I love him. Yeah, you listen, know? To, listen to some just... album tracks. Listen to some early stuff. If yeah. you know you want to branch outwards, I you know we're pretty much putting it out there that all of it's great, all of it's cool to listen to, and they all kind yeah. of sound different, have their own vibe, and yeah, you know, really enjoy the records and shoot off to other bands, other styles of music. Yeah, and you know that's you know. That's it, man. That's it. So, um, thank you, Luke and Mike. Thanks yeah, for having anytime. me. It was awesome. Oh, at the end of every podcast, we like to do like a little segment. That's uh, what have you been listening to? So, Roy, what have you been listening to lately? Like, what's in the most recently Ooh. played lists um, and stuff? Well, I mean, I'm sure Bob Marley, the of new, course. The new Krugman album. Um, oh, it's so good. Yep, we talked about good. that with Jeff. Um, oh, it's so I'm good. super heavy into the Motet right now. Um, Death or Devotion album that came out last summer is okay. incredible. Um, and I mean, I mean, I'm always listening to old bossa nova music. Thanks, guys. You definitely these two <laughs> these two guys that I'm talking to right here have definitely reopened my ears to things that you know. A lot of that music and a lot of the jazz music that you guys have reopened my ears to is music of my childhood that I, you know, had heard or it's you know yeah. you think the '80s that kind of music still current you know you have polka records and stuff like that so a lot yeah, of the old yeah. stuff that you guys right. listen to on a regular basis these guys are incredible record collectors and they've turned me on back on to a whole bunch of stuff so i mean i'm definitely listening to my gets and gilberto on a regular basis yeah and, that's a that's a norm yeah. that's a that's a very frequent spin on my turn too, man that earth, album wind was just and fire like, oh. the earth wind and fire album that oh you, the um, second like, one days and times is oh it? is that the one with like the it the got that horn break in the first song it's like boom Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah, uh, that record yeah. is. That, I think that's the second Earth, Wind, and Fire yeah, album. Amazing. Yeah. That was because I not I heard because Luke was listening I, to I that. Bought, Luke's just like, hey record. man, you gotta listen to the second Earth, Wind, and Fire album. I was like, all right, and I listened to it. And I was just like, I have to tell everybody about this. This is this yeah, one of the greatest albums I've ever heard. And and just big shout out to my friends Leon Trout from Boston, another up and coming yeah, band, band on the music scene. Great, great, great band. hard working band. Yeah, man. Shout out to those guys. Shout out to everybody in the New England music scene that's still doing it and you know lots of local bands that we've got tons of love for yeah 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 there's a lot of that yeah but to support your musical yeah creamery uh, station community Zilla guys Lott. come on let's no get it together here. one time weekend i could keep going right down the list all yeah. the promoters that do it all the bars in new haven that are you know i can't wait to be down and see you guys can't wait to see 
you yeah. know what everything will come out of in the next few months so yeah hopefully some sort of normalcy yes yeah, some live music yeah yeah some live music man absolutely uh luke well okay uh i've been spinning the band pretty heavily yeah um you know with the band uh i also saw this clip i believe titled the band rare clip and it's like 18 minutes long it's got some good <laughs> yeah. i think it's like shot 16 millimeters on youtube um yeah, just type in the band live, very rare. It should come up. And I believe it's like 18 minutes, maybe about three or four songs. Okay. Oh, my God. I want Rick Danko, man. The band is so on fire in this clip. And it really got me like I was just watching like kind of music videos on YouTube on the couch being lazy. Yeah. And then that, that popped up and I was like, oh, my God, what, what is this? And uh, Rick Danko, man, you watch him play in this clip on YouTube. He, he plays playing a, that fretless bass. Oh my god! I've never seen a dude thump so great yeah, in my life. Good. Just thumping on the on the fretless, not even looking at it. Every note is solid, and it's blowing my mind. They're doing three, four part harmonies. Amazing! Check yeah. it out. I also I want to come back for the band episode. Oh yeah, man! We <laughs> yeah. I, yeah 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 we listen, will. Guys, Absolutely, I was getting man. so hyped on the band. Like I listened to the first two albums, uh, and I just really want to shout out like a song Richard Manuel's uh, "In a Station," uh, like. The chorus to that song and the structure to that song is so out there. The harmonies are like so profound. That yeah. record is like that record's so life changing. Like listen to music from Big Pink and the brand, uh, the band's Brown album, the second record. I mean, I listen to those again, and they touch me on such like a, a level. The songs are so sweet, so uh, greatly written. There's context to every song in those records, so I really dove deep into that. Yeah, uh, I listened to Abbey Road yesterday. Just because I wanted to, uh, and then you know, just some uh, you know other other stuff I've been pulling off the shelves. But yeah. uh, oh, I also listened to because of Bob. I listened to Heart of the Come soundtrack. Yeah, uh, highly recommended oh, with any yeah, Bob man. Marley listening. Uh, I also listened to the record label is called uh, I think uh, Coleman Razor, and they released a uh, a compilation of uh, I believe it was Nigerian music uh, from 1972 that I have on vinyl from 1972 1982 and uh, yeah that was called uh, uh, Coleman Razor Records look it up they have like cool uh, African compilations and I listened to some cool. African music because it kind of was getting me into the that vibe and I really dug that record too oh nice man so. nice yeah uh, me I've it's been mostly I'm not gonna lie I've been doing a lot of like uh, spoken word like lectures and things like that because uh, that's another thing I love listening to but music wise uh, yeah I mean heavy Bob Marley and then I went down the uh, the sort of <laughs> like Hindu devotional music okay right the past, on. like uh, the past couple days um, uh, more specifically uh, Bhagwan Das who is part of like the Das Brothers group of people that were switched on to uh, Neem Karoli Baba he was a guru in India that's a whole other story but he um Jayu Tal is another like devotional singer guitar player that came out of that group of people, mm-hmm. um, and uh, but yeah, just stuff like that, just very much like you know like Hari Krishna stuff and uh, Shiva Shambo and like Hanuman Chalisas and stuff like that, you know. So I I don't know. I think being like having my ear tuned at an early age by listening to Greek music to much more Eastern styles of melody, I think that. Uh, a lot of maybe say Indian uh, devotional music as well as like sitar music, instrumental music. It's I can tap into it. You know, it's the same way that I can tap into like a Turkish oud player. You know, because right. it's very much that those Eastern kind of melodies that you know what I mean. Like I can hear them, and I'm just like, oh, there's a familiarity to it and a relatability to it, and the fact that it's spiritual as well for me being spirituality is an important part of my life. That I uh, I uh, I find great value in it. You know, and I think. Um, 
you know, I just I really enjoy it. You know, I did a so. Mahi Vishnu orchestra with John no! McLaughlin. Oh yeah, well, man, yeah. That's and, and like I believe the, the Santana, Santana was involved in this. Yeah, there's too. a McLaughlin Santana. I think uh, there's definitely one album. I don't know if there's a, a, there might be a couple. But. I listened to a few John McLaughlin albums last week yeah. too. That when I was doing we were, got stuck out in a, a tidal marsh up in Maine, uh, yeah. in a kayak for <laughs> seven hours waiting for the tide to come in and. Had yeah. to listen to a whole lot of music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Mahavishnu will help pass the time, you know. And some nice dense stuff. That's yeah, and that's that's another. I mean, that's another band that like, um, you know, it can be. It's it, it's it's challenging. You know, you listen to it, and it can be very challenging because not only does John McLaughlin bring in these sort of Eastern melodies, but there's also sort of this improvisational kind of jazz element to the whole thing. So it's it's a real interesting mix of different sorts of like you get the American jazz, but then you also get like the Far Eastern like sitar influenced melodies and stuff too. So it makes for a really Derek Trucks maybe does something quite similar to mm. it, but we I wouldn't say about that last yeah week. yeah, but I wouldn't say entirely in the way that John McLaughlin does. It. John McLaughlin's a little bit busier where uh, Derek Trucks is very much Soulful. because he's coming from yeah he's coming from the Almond Brothers, but then you have like this nice sort of like Indian color that he like kind of sprinkles on top of everything and it's so sweet and so beautiful you know very I, I, I guitar like the, the yes album that you guys were talking about with jeff the green album i think it's the third album oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, we listened to it as, in its entirety the other night it's a bit rough yeah it's, yeah, it's good though it's yeah. good i like it it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. but see that's like a dense listen like only three yeah. songs so you're like here we go plugged in yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and, yeah. I had to give it a whirl because I had heard you guys talking about it because I listened to that one the other week. But yeah, yeah, and oh, we, love, we, you know, everyone. Oh, shout out to uh, our boy George Bruderman on the Feel oh, Feelings yeah, podcast because yeah. he uh, texted me the other day that he completed the Prague episode finally. Oh, so finally! We're all very proud of him. <laughs> that was what three episodes ago? Two yeah. episodes ago? I don't yeah. have I don't have my merit badge. Like, it was <laughs> anybody, yeah. um, a busy life. It was. It was. <laughs> I hear yeah. it, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah it was very fitting that the Prague Rock episode was <laughs> our longest episode, <laughs> you know. But uh, I don't know. This one might. Uh, this one might. Uh, be might rival. For it. Might rival. But uh, but yeah, man. Well, Roy, thank you so much for coming down, man. Real quick, uh, where could we find information on Peerless Poppers? The uh, Facebook page, fe- social media, Peerless Poppers at Facebook um, and Instagram. Uh, Facebook, I would say, is probably the best place. We have a YouTube page. Um, Whole bunch of current videos up there. Yeah, okay. a lot, lot of great live stuff on your. Yeah, doing do, doing some live recording. Do you over have the next um, couple of weeks? Do you have a, an email where like if somebody wanted to maybe contact you guys? Peerlesspoppers at gmail Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, guys. I mean, definitely you know support uh, support your local uh, musicians and your yeah, local new musical artistic community, like man. Oh yeah, they got new merch too. Yeah, new merch. New merchandise. So, just go on their Instagram, Facebook, check it out, yeah, and shirts, get in contact with Roy. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks um, a lot, everybody. Yeah, thanks for coming, man. Uh, don't forget to uh, like and give us a follow as well. Get in the garage. We're on all social media platforms. Uh, get in the garage podcast at gmail.com. You can reach us there. Any questions, comments, concerns, requests. Uh, I've been Mike. Thank you, Bob Marley. <laughs> Thank you, Bob Marley, man. Yeah, One love, bless up, as they say in Jamaica. We love you guys. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Take care. Love, Bye-bye. peace, hair, grease. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, We hope you enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed recording it. Make sure to share, like, and subscribe to the Get in the Garage podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, and a bunch more. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Instagram or email us directly at getinthegaragepodcast at gmail.com for any questions or topics you might like to hear us cover.
Thanks again, guys. See you next time. Get in the garage.